Put on your big Hollywood sunglasses and light the torch, because it's cellar time. Welcome to the Crack Cellar, as the prophecy was once caught on camera shirtless. I'm Two-Spirit Penguin Daniel. And I'm Broadcaster Nichols. And today, Broadcaster, it's a very special day. day we've waited for in infamy. It's the day we get to see... Uh, BIPOC women of color storming the beaches of Normandy and Warzone Pacific. Huh. Interesting. Wheelchair missiles not included, broadcaster. Hmm. No, they should be. <laughs> so, uh, what do you what do you think? What's your what's your initial blush on this whole brand new Warzone experience? Well, war's changed. <laughs> <laughs> Has it though? A lot more women, apparently. <laughs> Just women everywhere. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's uh, quite astonishing. I, I mean, actually went into a solo Vanguard only playlist just to try solo game once, and uh, I was shocked to see that the default character it gives you is a bald black woman. And I was just like, yeah, uh, World War Two. I think there were a lot of those chilling, dropping out of, burning down. Airplanes crashing into islands. For sure, dude. No doubt. But let me tell you a little something about equity. Okay? (laughs) Please do. You're not black enough. Clearly. Uh, You're too too white. Too white. Um, I am just perfect. So listen to what I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Are you trying to tell me that you got like the master gene in the family? I well, let's be careful. I want to use the word master. <laughs> um, so your words, nor not superior. Mine. I want to use superior either. <laughs> it's um, interesting. It's interesting to say the least. Yeah. So uh, what was really interesting is seeing the game glitch in a way I haven't seen since like the late '90s of online yeah. PC gaming. Yeah, jokes aside, the game's running like shit right now. But what isn't running like shit right now? I mean, Halo's infinite servers aren't <laughs> ain't any better. They're garbage, right? Well, it, they have the illusion of running smooth. But if you're even, even remotely competitive in shooters, your head's just fucking turning at most shooters' server connection nowadays. You're just like you get you die around corners. Warzone's bad. Like, maps not loading in. You're just getting straight up frame skips. You know, it's, it's pretty bad in Warzone right now. But I'm pretty used to that from, uh, from Activision. I mean, that's how Verdansk launched. Verdansk wasn't pretty when it first launched. Yeah, it's just pretty crazy seeing a server lobby with 99% packet loss that is running like a slideshow. Uh, that was only one man. Like I mean, that was that's one. Still, match. man, that's something I just haven't seen in my adult life. I was a kid the last time I saw that happen with a PC game online. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, it hasn't happened since, but it was interesting to see that resurface, like this ancient kraken 
that hasn't seen the light of day for a couple decades. But all the shooters have the same problem, like even the cheaper ones, like Hunt Showdown and Splitgate. And I mean, name oh, a rampant shooter. Hacking? <laughs> uh, well, about there's plenty of that. <laughs> and uh, servers is like servers are garbage now. I don't know what it is. I think it's just maybe more people playing now than ever. And servers just haven't really caught up. Server space hasn't caught up. But same concept as fast food. You know, as fast food has progressed throughout our lives, the quality has gone down slowly, just slow enough to where you don't notice it if you eat it all the time. So, like, there are a bunch of people out there convinced that a Taco Bell taco is the same that it was like 20 years ago. It isn't at all. Like, it's crazy. The low, no the lowing, it's, it's happening with these servers. It's the exact same thing. They're lowering their server investment just slightly each time so that it goes down steadily and slowly and you just don't notice it and accept it as normal. It's a, yeah. pretty sick, honestly. It sickens me. And what also sickens me is the bait and switch on the anti-hack, which is like the only reason I wasted the time installing the game and then... I install it. It's like, oh, no, it's just on the Pacific, Asian Pacific servers as an exclusive because it's called Warzone Pacific. See what we did there? <laughs> I get it. Asians cheat a lot. Whatever. I won't. I, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. You told me that I was going to have this shit on launch. Where the fuck is it? All right. Well, here, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I think it's a sign of good faith in my opinion, because they picked the most prevalent region in the world for hacking and launched it there. And the other thing is, is it might be the most prevalent for hacking in the world, but it's probably the least amount of public social bitching in the world because, well, they live behind a great firewall, so it doesn't really fucking matter. You're never going to really see their social media bitching to begin with. But for the most part, image-wise, if that thing fails over in the Asian Pacific servers and it's just nothing, they can quietly just brush it away, you know, and never launch it over here, and people will never know how bad it was. Yeah. But if they launch it here first and it's nothing, they're going to get a huge PR flurry, and it's they're never going to recover from it. No one's ever going to take it seriously. That and... Maybe I'm not sure. I don't. I'm not really educated on where these cheats are coming from. The most prevalent Call of Duty and Halo, all the all the cheats that the professionals, streamers, and people that don't want to get caught use. I don't know where those exactly are coming from. But if any of them are made in America, then maybe that's also the reason they don't want to give those people a chance. Yeah. I was just really hoping they were big braining it and they really were releasing it worldwide, but they said that just to get like all the other regions cheaters to go in without checking and get caught. <laughs> but uh, of course, that's not what happened. There is definitely no anti-cheat going down. I've played a few matches today and I have definitely seen at least one cheater. I think you saw at least one cheater last time we played together. So there's still cheating going on. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's just, at this point, I've played the game. I've been playing FPSs, FPSs for so long, and I've played enough FPSs competitively 
for so long that I, you know, when like someone with a controller, when you're like saying, when you're playing PC games and you're using a mouse and keyboard and there's someone with a controller, you can tell you that it's aim assist. There's a big difference between aim assist and aim botting, you know, like, especially when you see the kill cam in some of these games where it just snaps, you know, and you can see people looking through the wall to the exact location you're at and just strafing to your location behind the, around the corner. Like, to, to, no one... There's things. It takes time to notice them because I know a lot of people will just be like, no, they're just good. Yeah, the uh, the funny... The funny answer we always get from all the clearly cheating streamers out there, it's always just like, no, man, uh, I just know this real secret technique where I'm just really better than you, and I can just do better things than you, and you just have to get better, you know? <laughs> like, okay, that explains why uh, your stream, clearly your camera's just jerking around perfectly with laser precision so fast that the human ca- eye can't discern anything, just fucking headshotting people left and right. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Yeah, man, it'd be really interesting to see where fucking anti-cheat goes here in the near future, because I really think competitive FPS FPS is on the verge of collapse without a a cure. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm so close to just giving up on them. Like, I still love a uh, lot of people are. I still love first-person shooters like Doom, and I'll always play those. But I'm starting to like just get to the point where. Is it worth my time to even give them a shot? Like, it's just (laughs) every game. You know, because, like, you bring up Halo Infinite, and between knowing, just knowing that there's no real anti-cheat in Halo, there's no real report feature in Halo, you just know there's cheaters. You know, just based on history, and... That you're going to be playing with with cheaters in Halo and there's nothing you can do about it. Then you look at the monetization in the store and it's like, why why do I even play this game? <laughs> like, what yep. the... <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not grinding for anything besides my fucking soul against cheaters online where there's no hope to fucking get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah, like, there's no story. There's no progression. Like, with these types of games, it's just purely competitive. It's like... You know, if you were a basketball player and you just went down to the park and played pickup hoops on a day, like it's nothing, there's no nothing in it for you other than just the activity itself and the competition. And if you can't trust the integrity of these games, it's absolutely pointless. And people more and more are seeing that the backlash on the Warzone Reddit is proof enough of that. Like, I can't believe how harsh I was thinking it was going to be a shill board when I first went there. And I was just like, that place is on fire right now. They are pissed about the anti, the anti cheat being delayed and just the whole cheating situation in general in that game. So hopefully that attitude just keeps getting more pervasive. Otherwise I think, like you said, this is a dead genre, dead genre walking. It's just, it it almost seems like the inevitable end, you know, like, for FPS is because I don't know. It's so weird, man. Cause I feel like cheats weren't as sophisticated back when we were growing up, but they were still pretty 
widespread. I mean, every game had cheats. In fact, some games like infamously allowed cheats on certain servers like Diablo, where they had their open battle net. Well, and yeah, what's crazy ironic about all this is that Battle.net, the original version, was actually created to stop cheating in online games that's what why it was created why blizzard created it because they saw like all these online games it was the wild west and everyone was cheating and uh now battle.net has some of the biggest problems with cheating in the industry yeah it's like they gave up it really (laughs) they're just there and they're afraid to tell the public (laughs) yeah well, I know for sure Blizzard has uh they don't like the fact they're forced to share their launcher with other Activision games. I know that for a fact because I've dealt with the uh technical support, the customer support on BattleNet and it was always regarding uh non-World of Warcraft, non-Blizzard games like I had to with Destiny 2 a few times before they switched to Steam. I had to with uh Warzone, Modern Warfare, uh Cold War, basically every non-Blizzard game I've had to have some issue dealt with. And there's always this sort of, like, disdain for the the game that I'm bringing up. Like, you can just tell that the person I'm talking to doesn't like the game, doesn't like the fact they have to support it. Very sort of abrasive attitude towards these non-Blizzard games. And that kind of makes me think that perhaps Blizzard is sabotaging the anti-cheat for the non-Blizzard games. Like, maybe they're putting in the crappy version of it. or Because there was supposed to be a built-in anti-cheat in the Battle.net client for all games, period. That was just universal. Doesn't seem to exist for these Activision games. I think I was probably just quietly taken out a long time ago. Like, I mean, that was a that was an idea when Battle.net first came out. It's been a, it's a long time since then. I mean, no, it still works for World of Warcraft. You can't cheat in that game. It's like impossible. You it just you can look on the internet, you can research it, you can be like World of Warcraft hacks. You won't find any. You won't find videos of it. You won't. It's just that game's locked down like a button. How? It's supposed to be the battle dot. That's the weird thing about it, man. It's supposed to be that BattleNet anti-cheat that's just universal in the client that only BattleNet games that are made by Blizzard seem to have. Very interesting to me, but I don't know. Maybe it's just those games are made differently by different, and because they're yeah, made differently, well, they can't use the technology the same way. I don't know. I was gonna say it's probably integrated from the ground up from the development mm-hmm. of a Blizzard game. That would make sense. Yeah, wouldn't it be crazy if it the only reason it didn't work is because the fucking like sledgehammer games is too lazy to implement it? It's just there, but they're just not using it. <laughs> Developer secrets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what, and what what do you think about the the whole Wally Walled Garden thing with the Vanguard only playlist? only having all the options and like the standard version that has all the old stuff. There's only one mode for it quads and it's going to be on rotation. They won't let you really play it the way you want to. They're trying to really force you into the Vanguard playlist where if you didn't buy it, you are at an extreme disadvantage. What do you think about that? Yeah. 
I think it's um, an extreme effort to get people to buy Vanguard, one of the worst selling Call of Duties of all time, but it's not going to work. And I think that they're probably going to piss off me and a lot of their player base while they try to protest and not change that fucking playlist for months on then. And we're probably just not going to play it for that much, that much, you know? Yeah. Just um, speaking purely. Mm -hmm. It's uh, pretty sad because I've actually been looking at weapon tier lists just out of curiosity, uh, seeing what's what right now in the meta. And they have basically balanced it. So 90% of the top weapons are Vanguard weapons. So even when you play outside of the Vanguard exclusive playlist and you can use the Modern Warfare weapons and the Cold War weapons, those weapons, for the most part, aren't as good. There are a few exceptions. So like you can still do the MP5 and the Cold War AK-47 are still top tier, shit like that. But 90 plus percent of the meta weapons are Vanguard. On purpose. It's all on purpose. I mean, it's all pretty transparent, too. Like, I mean, anybody that's, anybody that's above the age of 16 that's seen a few years of monetization in their games, like, knows what's going on at this point. You know? Yeah. They get the drift. And it's just dirty. They're just fucking us all. And that's why I think there's a collapse coming. Because everybody's getting fucked. And everybody feels like they're getting fucked now. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone doesn't like what they're getting from the battle pass now. No one likes the prices of fucking cosmetics. No one likes the amount of content they're getting overall throughout the one year or two year cycle most games have, it seems like nowadays. You know, let alone the day one launch uh like state of the game which is usually fucking terrible like the yeah. all these things all these things i just described are not uh, exclusive to call of duty or um halo or 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 destiny or uh you know insert modern game here like uh fallout 76 um it's basically exclusive to the western game industry though japanese games it is almost yeah. totally do not embrace this shit and it's why if no. you look right now at all the most popular games it's shin megami 5 it's final fantasy 14 i was just about to bring up shin megami like shin megami is actually it's great because i barely play rgs so i feel like i'm just being a boomer but when <laughs> i play art this when i'm playing shin megami tensei i'm like wow they're making like real rpgs again and i'm like no maybe i just haven't been playing real yeah. rpgs <laughs> you just have to look hard to find them and they're they're few and far between like the last uh, Persona, or not Persona, but Shin Megami 4 was actually a portable game exclusively. It wasn't even released on an actual PC or consoles. So the last full-fledged Shin Megami was Shin Megami 3 Nocturne. That was released a long time ago. I played that when PS2, I was in college. Yeah, that was a PS2 yeah. game I played in college. It, it was That's a late crazy. PS2 game, but it was still a PS2 game. So th- these games are painstakingly created. They're much more high quality, and oh, by the way, their fucking monetization is not scummy at all. It's actually quite quaint. You look at the store, it's like, 
you can buy a couple of optional, totally optional DLCs for like $2.99 each one time. That's it. And it's just like, if you want, you don't really need to. It's just for super fans that want like to get every little inch out of the game. Yeah. But that's the gates. The devil comes through. Mm. Yeah. Western devs are the complete opposite of that. Like, I mean, Halo Infinite's a great example. Like, they're like, well, uh, the game's free, but uh, the campaign is $60 and it sucks and it's it has no co-op and, you know, et cetera. It's just like, okay, <laughs> that's a DLC, huh? a campaign. Well, it was almost like I look back on that on, in hindsight, like, w- man, that was really an optical, an optics move because they knew there was going to be no co-op and they knew there was going to be no forge. They knew a lot of things probably gonna weren't, weren't going to work. They knew there was probably going to be backlash with the amount of playlists that were going to be available day one. They probably knew there was going to be backlash just from the monetization of the store alone, you know, putting aside the fact that it was probably the most atrocious the gaming scene has ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was purely optics because they were like, hey, multiplayer's free to play. We're taking it out of the campaign and not charging you anything. Not telling you all the other things that are missing that you're yeah. going to have to pay $60 for. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I believe the co-op campaign is just going to be quietly canceled in like four months or or so. But I don't if, think that. If it does, I think it's going to come out sooner than they than we think. Actually, God, you're such an optimist. How the fuck did you become the optimist, man? <laughs> well, they. I mean, they're coming. The 14th, we're getting a Slayer playlist, a free for all playlist, a, a Fiesta playlist, and a SWAT playlist. Oh, free for all playlist! Thank God. Yeah, so they're making progress fast. I did not. They previously they said we weren't going to get that a Slayer playlist till tw- till uh, January. So they're making mm. pretty good speed. So maybe they were just doing that to look good. So I'm going to hold my breath and see what else they got in store for us. But so far, the fact that we're getting that in three days is pretty cool. That is cool, uh, but I have a feeling that if that co-op campaign does come out, it's actually going to be an additional charge on top of the campaign. I just have a, no, I have no, a sneaky would, that'd be, feeling. That'd be suicide. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, they'll have some justification for it. They'll do like some fucking puff piece interview where they're like, we, had to, we were entrepreneurs and we had to invent new technology to allow this dynamic co-op gameplay. And like, it's going to be a bunch of marketing talk and shit. I just have a feeling. But we'll see. I'll be Mr. Negative, you be Mr. Positive, and let's just hope the truth is somewhere in the middle. I can be negative as as you want with the <laughs> score. The score is uh, fucking terrible. Well, let's uh let's go to something that's actually being handled well right now, and uh that would be the sequel to Sonic the Hedgehog, broadcaster Nichols. Uh you know, I saw. I remember I seeing the first trailer for the original Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and I was like, eh, it looks like it could be okay. I wasn't expecting much. And then when we watched it, or when I watched it, uh, I was genuinely, I genuinely liked it. I was surprised how much I liked it. It was cheesy, yeah, but it, it like played all the right strings for me as a kid that grew up with Sonic and the Sega Genesis and all that shit. And I thought they handled it really well, especially Jim Carrey, who... That guy's a fucking psychopath in real life, and I hate 
almost everything about him in real life, but God damn it, I swear he's one of my favorite actors of all time. And every time I see him as Dr. Robotnik, I kind of gel up a little bit. Like he is just the man made to play that motherfucker. And in he this really new trailer, is. this new trailer, it's just like, you can see it as light as day. Like he is fucking Dr. Robotnik. And I can't believe anyone could like possibly not like his portrayal of Dr. Robotnik. Well, it's pretty cartoony, which not it should lie. be. But yeah, I mean, I think the movie is—I mean, it is what it is. I—I I can't really take it seriously. I don't really get psyched up for these type of things anymore. I—I I think what really it is is I—I I do not like CGI cartoon type shit. I never watched any of the Pixar movies. Like after they turned st- Toy Story, like once. Toy Story 4 happened and most of it was like polished CGI. It just it killed me. Well, like, it was always CGI, but I know what you're talking it, about. The style was, changed. Yeah. Like, they started well, using lens I flares think, and shit. JJ Abrams was an executive producer on Toy Story 4. <laughs> was he really? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm it's a joke. <laughs> It looked yeah, it never, looked like the Star Trek movies all had shitloads of lens flares and Toy Story 4. Because I have a daughter that's four years old, she is has seen that movie many times, and I've noticed that that movie had a shitload of lens flares for no reason. It's just like they just decided yeah. to go like big money on it. Yeah, so maybe it's just that my brain just doesn't really jive with that type of stuff. But overall, I was kind of impressed with how the first one did turn out. I was like, wow, this doesn't suck. Nah, it wasn't <laughs> bad at all. Was Jim Carrey, good... I don't know. That guy, that guy <laughs> makes me think he's, I don't know, dude. Sometimes I think that guy has bodies buried somewhere. Oh, he, he probably does. The guy's he's, a fucking nut job in real life. but Yeah, guy's sus as fuck. But, man, I can't deny the fact that he's, like, the star of, like, ten of my favorite movies. It's just like, uh, I hate him, but I love him. It sucks. A little footballs. <laughs> <laughs> Finkel is Einhorn? <laughs> Laces out. <laughs> uh, so, uh, taking place in Seattle. Did you notice that? Space Needle. And they they show some scenes in Seattle. Like, you can... I've been in the spots they filmed in. I did not notice that. But you yeah, know what? Should, that should be interesting. That's dope, because my favorite character in all of Sonic was Knuckles, so... <clears throat> mm-hmm. Him coming down Seattle is appropriate in this time right now because we we need knuckles to come yeah. down, and yeah, punch, <laughs> punch some sense into Seattle. <laughs> knuckles is here to deal with the homeless problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, you know one of the it's funny too because the Death Note live action movie, which wasn't horrible, wasn't good either. It was just like. It's one of the best live action anime adaptations I've ever seen, but it's still not good, which is really just a s- sad commentary on live action anime adaptations. They just all suck for some reason. They can't figure it out. <laughs> but one thing I did like from that Death Note uh, was that it was filmed in Seattle and they actually had a lot of scenes in like famous spots like the fucking the pier, like the giant Ferris wheel on the pier and shit like that. I'm hoping that uh, Sonic kind of does the same thing. 
make it more interesting for us specifically because of where we're from. Oh, well, if it's just, yeah, they're definitely good. Not dude, if they don't have a Knuckles and Sonic's fight on top of the Space Needle, I'm I'm fucking I'll be raging, dude. I'll be like I, fail. I hope they go to the stadiums too. Like they go dude. to the, <laughs> they like Fuck fucking those stadiums, dude. There's way cooler spots like you go underground Seattle fight the homeless. You know. Oh, they could go underground to like the original Seattle that got burnt in the yeah. green fire or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh they could uh where else could they go? They could do the Jimi Hendrix building, they could do Pike Place. You go to they White Center do... and get shot. Yeah. They... <laughs> <laughs> oh moving <man>. on. <laughs> uh, but I, this trailer, the second trailer, is a this lot. This is why better. we don't get sponsors, man. This is bullshit. I've been talking to you about Listen, this. <laughs> I'm sure Black Rifle Coffee is just lining up to sponsor us as we speak. I'm going to check my email as soon as we're done recording. Dude. That'd be dope, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but this trailer is a lot better, don't you think? Like, compared to the trailer for the first Sonic? I couldn't really remember the first trailer, the first song. It was pretty hum I think I'm just, I think it's just because there's Sonic and Tails, and even though the Tails uh, intro was pretty meh, you know, I have to say, but well, they nailed the airplane and like that scene where Sonic first meets Tails. That's literally the opening scene from Sonic to the game. Yeah, like, the yeah, game no starts doubt. with them on the plane and Tails flying Sonic up. So. Yeah. I think I mean, that's really cool that they like they they just understand like the heart of it and that gives me hope just on a broad level. Well, if you really want to go into the psycholo- psychology of like getting new generation of kids into this type of stuff is that yet it's like the parents are the real target because the parents are the ones that are no Sonic they'd be like, "Yeah, I want to bring my kid to a Sonic movie because I grew up playing Sonic and I want to like get my yep. kid to fucking like Sonic, you know? That'd be cool." And then they'll ask to play Sonic, and then I get to show them my dope-ass games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. So mm-hmm. if they don't market it to the adults, then they're going to fail. I mean, it overall has to be a kid's movie, of course. But Yeah, and I'll tell you right now, Nickelodeon makes a huge mistake on a daily basis by not doing what Paramount Pictures is doing with Sonic. Nickelodeon just released an Are You Afraid of the Dark reboot, which that show is iconic to anyone my age, anyone who's in like their mid to late 30s, even early 40s. Are You Afraid of the Dark is like this iconic Nick or a snick is what they called it, actually, uh, show from back in the day. They make this reboot and they make it for kids. They make it for little kids like teenagers, which is what the original was made for. I get that. But no. No kids today give a fuck about Are You Afraid of the Dark? People my age do, so make it for me. And they're not. They're making it for little fucking kids, and it's stupid. It's brain dead. And uh, Paramount, they've seen through this little wall of fog, and they've found the right path, in my opinion. Yeah, it's weird because, you know, growing up, there was a channel that did this really successfully. It was Cartoon Network. Mm -hmm. They made Adult Swim. And Adult Swim was kind of like the adult hour. Like, in hindsight, it, it, this is kind of weird of me explaining this, but it, in, in some weird way, it was the prototype to what a lot of these channels should be doing right now. Like Nickelodeon, yep. where you're saying, you know, they have all this content, 
but the audience is older now and they're still trying to be a child a, a children's channel and it's like well just pull something off like cartoon network did back in the day and have like an adult swim thing where these shows like are you afraid of the dark can actually be tailored and marketed towards a more older audience their original yeah. audience you know mhm it's this and weird the, thing where they think that, like, no, we're not going to keep our audience that we had hits with. We're just going to keep recycling new people in like we're the fucking NFL drafting out of college. That's what they think yeah. they're doing. But it's not the case. Like, you had, you know, you caught lightning in a bottle in the 90s, Nickelodeon. You you had all these iconic shows with my generation of kids. You Like, Kenan Thompson on SNL, he comes from a show called All That, which is basically, like, the kid version of SNL that was on Nickelodeon at the same exact time as Are You Afraid of the Dark? All those people that like all that and Are You Afraid of the Dark, they're all fucking old, and no fucking kids today give two shits about oh, anything dude. that you want to make for them like that. Like, it's you're tr- it's just like you're crossing the streams. Never cross the streams. Just either, you, you can't fucking do it. You gotta, if you hit big, if you hit gold, and you get this huge fan base... You need to play to that fan base as long as you possibly can until they're till they're in the grave. Then, okay, maybe if you still exist at that point, you try and hit the reset button. But it's just not a smart strategy, in my opinion. I don't even understand how Nickelodeon stays afloat. No kids today like Nickelodeon. Yeah, dude. How about Disney? Like any of these channels, dude. Like you think Disney about is the- for adults. They actually did the right thing. They pivoted to adults. Every Disney fan's a neckbeard fucking comic book nerd. That's who fucking Disney fans that's are now. They, that's just because they bought a whole other industry. Right. But they fucking you know, went headfirst into it. Of, that was kind of assimilation. Mm. <laughs> that that's, what, really... that's what big Mickey Mouse does. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I also... What, what do you think about Ildris Elba's knuckles because I kind of got taken by surprise by that when I heard him do his line and I realized it was Ildris Elba. It's like on one hand, Ildris Elba is overextending himself. He's in too much shit. He's starting to just become like this guy that's in everything. He's old too, which makes me think he owes money or something. (laughs) He's yeah, like Nick Cage. (laughs) Yeah, I got some bills to pay, motherfuckers. He did the snipes (laughs) path, dude, and pay his taxes. Yep. Well. I will just say that I actually think, even though I think he's overextended in general and I don't like the fact he's in so much, I think he's perfect for Knuckles, man. Like, his voice is just exactly what I imagined Knuckles sounds like. I mean, not to be too on the nose here, but uh oh, Knuckles kind of always seemed black. <laughs> he was a gangster. Right? Yeah. yeah, he was kind of gangster as fuck, dude. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was. Fucking just like, fuck you, Sonic. Boom. Yeah. Dude, the <laughs> opening to Sonic and Knuckles is just like one of the most gangster openings in video game history. <laughs> yeah, I like, I do like that they brought Knuckles in too. Like, I, I wasn't sure that they would because I thought they might follow it exactly like the games where Tails comes in Sonic 2. Then Knuckles, I believe, gets debuted in Sonic 3, but he he was much more in Sonic and Knuckles. Yeah, but well, I, for sure, because you shared him with Sonic. Yeah, but I think in Sonic Three was his original debut, right? wasn't Wasn't he in well, Sonic Three briefly? Yeah, well, Mega Man X, and I well, from my perspective in my childhood, I felt like Sonic the Hedgehog and Mega Man X one copied the other with the whole Mega Man X and Zero and Sonic 
in Knuckles, both of them being a blue character and the other being a red character, and yeah. it was like the opposite. And like they both, like one, they both were introduced in X three and Sonic three, and then going forward, they were both an option to play as in X four and Sonic and Knuckles, <laughs> which I was like, man, this is kind of a strong coincidence there. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, it, it's it's interesting. It it seems like they're kind of like throwing a lot into this movie. I think that's the overall impression I'm trying to to convey here. It's like it seems like there might be squishing possibly two movies into one movie here, which on one hand means that they don't think another one will be made, so they're just going for broke with the second one. But on the other hand, it could just be like we're we're going to get a movie with no filler. Like, it's just going to truly be an experience where just shit's going down constantly and you're never bored, which is a really nice thing in movies because most movies have, a, nowadays especially, have just a lot of filler. Yeah. I mean, if they can pull the second one off, it'd be cool because that means that there'll be more Sonic movies coming and there's a lot more content from the Sonic universe. Oh, fuck yeah. So, yeah. They can I, get Shadow in there and all those motherfuckers. Oh, for sure. There's a lot of Sonic games, and I haven't played most of the modern ones, but I played all like all the Sonic games from the 90s, and I played most of the Sonic games from the 2000s. So, just after from the that game, alone, there's a lot. After GameCube, I pretty much stopped playing. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think Sonic Adventure 2 was the last one I played. Was that Dreamcast? I'm not even sure what that was, but I know it was 2000s. Yeah, after they started going to the boots and... The boards, I just got out. Yeah, yeah, and there's a there's a scene in the trailer that's a shout out to that too with the, him snowboarding. Did you see the snowboard scene? I I did, but I didn't even pick up on it. Till yeah, now. <laughs> that's from one of the more modern Sonic. So like they're they're throwing some shit in from the modern stuff as a shout out too, which I don't mind. I'm not like huge into it, but. You know, I'm a huge fan of the FF7 snowboarding minigame, so whenever I see an animated character snowboarding, you know, it, it Dude, does how it about me. Salute to SSX. Salute. You know, whatever happened to SSX, dude? What a, dude, what happened to the snowboard genre, man? That game, that no, genre, no doubt. No it was doubt. on fire, and then it just fucking vanished like it never existed, <laughs> it man. Did, and all the rest of the genres still exist. It's not like a whole sport genre got taken out like that. It was just... It was just really snow sports, like snowmobiling. Jet, like jet. There was actually snowmobiling games back then. There were snowboarding games back then. Even Jet Moto existed, which I, I mean, to this day, you know, people, scientists are still studying what exactly Jet Moto was. But oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, fucking wave race, <laughs> wave dude. Yeah, <laughs> they just they're gone now. <laughs> we need extreme sports games back, dude. That's what yeah. I'm saying. There's a lot of things we need to we need back from those times, not just in video games, but uh Broadcaster Nichols, before we move on to our review of uh Chucky, I would like to ask you if you have any crackpot theories about Sonic 2 the movie. Anything out there that you think might happen? Like any bold predictions that are going to get you ridiculed in most circles? I think Knuckles is totally going to alpha Sonic, beat him down, <laughs> make him 
feel inferior and then take Tails as his bride. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think Tails is going to come out as Sylvester the Molester. What? And things are going to get real weird, broadcaster. Who's Sylvester the Molester? (laughs) (laughs) Broadcaster Nichols, are you ready to get to our review? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Rewind. Let's circle back here real quick. <laughs> we'll so yeah, we'll circle what is that Jen Saki says, we'll circle back to that later. Yeah. <laughs> we'll circle back to that. <laughs> What's that? You want more crack seller? <laughs> this is good. Join your lords on Twitter at the crack seller and Facebook.com slash the crack seller. <laughs> Hey, you over there, are you a straight-up Chad or a strong woman? Well, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcasting app. Or, if you're a straight-up beta cuck, find us on YouTube with the rest of the Cloud Chasers. And we're back with our review of Chucky. And the creator of Chucky describes this riveting season of television as the following. After a vintage Chucky doll turns up at a suburban yard sale, an idyllic American town is thrown into chaos as a series of horrifying murders begins to expose the town's hypocrisies and secrets. Uh, Broadcaster Nichols, that hypnosis really makes this show sound like some like Salem witch trial shit, but really this is just a, a, a kid's show with a doll and a lot of murder. What say you? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go suck to like episode six. Yeah, it was a slow. Well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say the first episode was good, but then like episode two, three, and four, and that area sucked, and then it got good again halfway through, like around five ish. I want to say. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll agree. Because that first episode, man, Devon, the the drunk asshole Devon Sawa gets electrocuted to death by Chucky in that first episode. That was pretty sweet. That was was pretty good. Wait a minute. Is that guy not a twin? I thought. (laughs) No, that's Devon Sawa playing twins, but it's him playing. (laughs) (laughs) I love the difference between the two. Like you have like the the tiger dad version that's like you gotta be the best athlete son you're you're everything to me and then you have the other one who's like this drunken asshole who's like i wish you were never born kid (laughs) wrong kid dad (laughs) yeah that's great i i love the dichotomy and i i kind of wish the uh the drunk asshole version didn't die so quick it would have been nice if they Gave him a couple episodes to breathe, you know? Yeah, they cut him <laughs> episode one, dude. Just fucking... Or was it... Yeah, it was episode one. It was. Right? It was the end At the end of episode, one. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Broadcaster Nichols, uh, give me a brief rundown of your experience with Chucky, like uh, Child's Play movies, like past Chucky content. What have you seen? What do you know about this little uh, red-headed dog? I know dog? more about... 
problem child than I do Chucky. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny you say that because I remember when I watched Problem Child when I was a kid, I used to just be like, this is like the Disney version of Chucky. <laughs> this is a Disney dream <laughs> child's play. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't remember much about Chucky. I, I remember like the most recent memory of Chucky to me was the Bride of Chucky. Ah, uh, yes. Because that was like when I was somewhat of an older teenager, you know, so. Yep. Yeah, and they uh, all the other child's plays were done when I was, I don't know, I was eight. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I well. really like horrors, and I never, out of all the horrors, I slowly watch as I got older. Child's play was not one of them. Like, I watched like Leatherface and Chainsaw Massacre, and you know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger, Friday the Thirteenth, and um, yeah, all that shit, but. You watch the I'll serious play, horror movies. I'll <laughs> yeah, play kind of just, I watched them. Like my brain's telling me, like, I was like, I remember watching a lot of them. Yeah. But Bride of Chucky's the only one that really sticks out to me right now. <laughs> yeah. And um, they really dug deep into the Bride of Chucky mythos with this TV series. I was a little it surprised, did. man. Like, it, but, they beat. They turned B story into A story yeah. real quick. Well, let's let's just start off by saying this is made by the creator of Child's Play, he, Don Mancini, the creator of the show and the guy who wrote uh, the first episode and the last episode. So, like, basically the two best episodes of the show he wrote. Uh, he is the showrunner, the di- the director, the writer. Like, he is. This is his show, and. You can tell because there is a lot of reverence for the source material to a point of fetish fetishizing it a little bit. Oh, most most definitely. It, it's crazy, honestly. Like, first of all, I mean, the easy the slam dunk. Brad Dorif is back as the voice of Chucky, who's the original Chucky voice. And then we already talked about Jennifer Tilly, the bride of Chucky. She like literally takes the show over in the second half and in a good way too. Like I I haven't seen Jennifer Tiller, Tilly in a long time, but she was All good. All I in gotta this. say is no disrespect, but she's clearly got some weight. They even made fun of it <laughs> yeah. in the show. Like, which is props to her that mm-hmm. she like is comfortable enough to make fun of herself. But she still looks kind of good. Yep. I kind of looked at her and I was just like, wow, you'd be like a smoke show if you lost that weight right mm-hmm. now. You'd still be a smoke show. Like, it's crazy. I, maybe she can't. Maybe there's some reason why she, I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, damn. Yeah. I was kind of impressed with how well she's aged. Yeah, yeah. Her her titties have aged the best of the of the bunch. She has... <laughs> She has an ample bosom and uh, ample bosom, <laughs> and it's on full display most of the show. Like There's another T-shirt. But... <laughs> so we got the we got the original Chucky. We got the original Bride of Chucky. It goes way deeper than that. The original Andy is in this. Now that I think, if I had to say, the biggest shocker of this entire show 
It's definitely seeing the original fucking Andy grown up as a middle-aged man. My favorite part. My favorite part. That's why episode six, I I said episode six is when it got good. I was like, dude, we're part of the U.S. Census Bureau. You mind if we uh, go in? I was like, dude, this is fucking awesome. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) They had what's-her-name, too, uh, the the babysitter or whatever. No, no, not the babysitter. The the stepsister from Chucky too. It was a stepsister. Okay, yeah, this, yeah. So they got the original Andy from all the original Child's Plays. Then they got the stepsister from Chucky too. Then they got the fucking bride of Chucky. The only thing they're missing is the Chucky three kid, which I don't even know if that guy's still alive. But I don't think most people like Chucky three. I think that a lot of people disliked it. So that's probably why he didn't It'd still be cool. If they got him in there to make like the Triforce. Yeah. And they're like, like the kids, the original kids team up. They're like, nah, dude, we're ending this. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> dude, the fuck, it's like, you made me do this. Andy. It's just like, it doesn't even hesitate. Just pulls out his clock. Just fucking boom. <laughs> It's like what if the kid, what if the family says something? Not, no one's gonna believe them. <laughs> I'm like, damn, Andy's hard, bro. Yeah. <laughs> totally, yeah. The guy, the guy, the child actor who played Andy, who's in this, he's a pretty decent actor. Like, I really bought his role. He has like this sort of weird, soft-spoken voice of like a like someone that like sounds like they're harmless, but they could just murder you in 0.5 seconds. Yeah, it's he like kind a, of. He who's the guy that plays Riker? In oh Star yeah, Trek? Uh, Jonathan Frakes. Good call. He he, he kind of reminds me of Jonathan Frakes and um, uh, who else? Man, um, almost like a they almost had like a Scully and Mulder vibe going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. It was totally a, a Scully and Mulder vibe between the stepsister and Andy. Is like <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts of the entire show. Just like that whole thing was just awesome, beginning to end. And I think is that the first is episode six the first episode where they appeared? Is that yeah? We, that, yeah okay. it, intro the intro is them. So yeah, then I agree with you. That is when the show just like immediately takes off, and you're just like, this was a good show because there were a few moments, episode three, episode four, where I'm just like, eh, I don't know if I like this. Yeah, like they weren't like terrible television, but for me as a viewer, like coming back, like I'm expecting like something cool for me and Chucky. Like episode six is where it got good for me. Like I was like, all right, that was I immediately could tell that was the original Andy. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking doing some Men in Black shit. I was like, all right, this is this is a good concept right here. It was a like before it even played out, I was like, this is a strong premise right here. <laughs> yeah, well, it's cool too because Don Mancini has to be the reason why why he, these all these original people are in it because you know that if this was just like like let's take cowboy bebop as an example you know if this was just like an upstart group recreating something from the past they would have cast john cho you know what i mean not the original actor of andy like the guy the guy hasn't he's not a huge actor right like he's in the he's in the the cellar a little bit so for him to get this role to play himself, you know that there were like 15 actors lining up that are all bigger names than him that would have taken this role in a second. And Don Mancini said, no, I got the original Andy right here. 
Yeah, I, I, they might be, you know, I mean, that was a long time ago. They might know each other still. They might be boys. And he's trying to help one of them. was trying to help the other one out. Or maybe they just saw a vision. He's like, this is the time for you to come back and reprise your role, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think Jennifer Tilly acts much either anymore. So there, there's this, that's when we're going back to like what I said about the fetishizing of the, the original version of this. It's just, you can tell that this is a reverence that borders on absurd for the source material with the way it was cast by the way it was written. I know that's that you're how not, it would be. It is. Yeah. Be <laughs> and I'll tell you right now, as much as like the, like the high school melodrama aspect of this show doesn't appeal to me because I'm no longer a high school kid and I have nothing in common with these kids in this show. This the writing and the story of this show is exactly in line with the original Child's Play movies. That's what it was always all about. Chucky was always murdering people and trying to get Andy and other kids to also murder people. That's what he did. And this entire season one is exactly that, but in a very new and sort of fresh way and mixing, you know, Jennifer Tillian with the bride of Chucky. And this is another weird one. Uh, Brad Dwarf's daughter, the voice actor of Chucky, plays Bra- Charles Lee Ray. And, and you know all those flashbacks that happen throughout the episodes where it shows Charles Lee Ray before he becomes Chucky? Yeah, yeah. That was his daughter, Fiona Dorff, playing him. That was a woman playing him. What? Yeah, dude. His That's daughter. A, a tranny? No, it's a woman. They just did crazy oh. makeup on him or on her to make him look like it or her make make her look like a dude. But that that's, was that was that's his daughter. why he looks like Tommy Wiseau. I was yeah. like, why does Chucky look like fucking Tommy Wiseau? Because that's a fucking <laughs> that's that is the voice actor of Chucky's daughter, dude. It's so weird. When I found that out, I couldn't believe it. Like, that's, why'd they do that? That's I weird. don't know why, but it works, doesn't it? Like, I didn't guess, you yeah. didn't you love the Charles Lee Ray flashbacks? I fucking love those. That was one of my early on when the show was kind of like, eh, those were the the parts that actually kept me going. Were the Charles Honestly, Lee those Ray are flashbacks. the parts I disliked the most. I was they were so jarring to me. I was like, it's like, what are they trying to do here? Like, they're trying to like set up some type of. It just seemed like nonsense. Like they didn't need to add. Okay, well maybe it's maybe because I'm more of a child's play fan and I've seen all the original movies a bunch of times, so I'm much more into the the mythos of Charles Lee Ray than maybe someone who's not as into child's play doesn't really care. Maybe that's what it is. But I really enjoyed those. Like seeing seeing him help the fucking. Uh, the person who comes in to murder his parents, ha- seeing him help murder his mom and that kid, that murderer guy being like, you got potential kid. I loved that. That was one of my favorite scenes early on. <laughs> they, they, they do just straight up helps this random guy invading his home, murder his parents. It's just like crazy out there shit that, uh, yeah, that was pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved that. But just I, gives them the gun fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was fucking awesome. Uh what'd you think about our girl Lexa Doig playing the the mom of uh the main character's cousin, Junior? Is that his name? Junior. Yeah, yeah. Junior. What'd you think about the mom of Junior, our uh our girl? 
You like Lexa Doig, don't you? I mean, she's hot as fuck. <laughs> but I don't know what she's from. What you d- she's dude, she's the doctor from SG1 that replaced uh, the original doctor. You remember? Oh, oh shit. <laughs> dude, that's w- and that's when she was hot as fuck, dude. You got oh, need to go snap. back and that rewatch. That was her, dude. Yeah, Holy you need to, shit, dude. dude. You need to go back and rewatch season 8 of SG1 cuz she I was remember a that. smoke show back then. She was then. a smoke show, but she was such a bitch face back <laughs> she, then, dude. She, she did have the resting bitch a, face hard. She was a strong bitch face back then. It's good to see her cured of that. Mm. Yeah. I think her acting's actually gotten better as she's aged, so that's good. It's funny how they, I did, dude. They did her dirty, dude. They're like, like, <laughs> like your character is gonna get stage four cancer. She's gonna hide it, and then she's gonna get pushed out a window. <laughs> <laughs> she's not gonna die from the stage four cancer. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And that sort of brings me to my main thought of why this show's good, and why, like, there's, there's a real very specific line in the sand where the show could have been bad or good. And it would have been bad if the kills weren't there, if the, the blood and the the guts and the gore wasn't there. And that's what I was afraid of when I saw USA network and sci-fi channel behind this. I was like, Oh, (laughs) fuck. But I have to give them fucking credit. Every single episode, even the bad ones, had a kill, and they were all bloody, and they were not censored. Like, these were these were horror movie kills in every single episode. And, you know, I'll say that Lexa Doig's death, while dramatic and awesome, wasn't the most gory, but the dramatic impact, the mental impact on Junior having her corpse fall on the fucking window of the car that he's sitting in made up for it. Like, there were just some really good kills in this show. There were. Dude, the, the, um, personally, I love the fact that they did reviews of the kills at the end of the series. Oh, that was great. Which that reminded me of Deadpool. He's like, let's, like, let's review. <laughs> and he, I love how he, he, they actually loved my favorite kill. Like, I thought the, the, uh, the maid getting fucking knifed at the dishwasher i was like damn dude that's brutal for usa <laughs> network fuck yeah it is yeah, yeah and even checking at the review he was just like fucking nice kill at the dishwasher <laughs> i was like all right at least i was like i'm glad other people appreciated that because <laughs> that took that take that took creativity <laughs> yes yes it did <laughs> but yeah the kills were awesome uh i think what I was most disappointed in as far as kills go is that they didn't kill any of the kids. Yeah. None of the kids got taken out, especially how cavalier they were with Jake trying to kill Lexi. And then they'd be like, become almost like best murder solving friends at the end there. I was like, all right, well, it doesn't really make sense. Like in a real world situation, that bitch would have not let that go. and would have turned him into the police immediately after the whole situation was over. Well, the other, but the other thing I did appreciate which was, I think the unsung, uh, uh, like undertow of the storyline where all the kids were, all the toddlers were fucking evil. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. all the kids that Chucky like pretty much 
confided it confided he was just like yeah i'm gonna go kill this bitch you want to come she's like no i'm tired it's like what wait a wow (laughs) and then there was like the other kid who's like at the party he's like hey where's lexi he's like uh just probably fucking that other guy upstairs or whatever and he's like well, at least she's going to die doing what she loves. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like some real children of the corn shit. Yeah, no, dude, for sure. And it came off very humorous. And that's kind of the child's play. While was a real serious horror movie in the 80s when it came out, it kind of sort of tried to pioneer the subgenre of horror, of, of horror comedy. Because Chucky always had a comedic aspect. Like, when you're watching Friday the 13th, uh, when you're watching Hellraiser, when you're watching Chainsaw Massacre, you're not getting any... There's no comedy. Like, this is just serious, evil shit, right? There were a few exceptions. We had Nightmare on Elm Street with Freddy Krueger, where he wasn't comedic at all early on, but he became comedic in the sequels. And then Child's Play, where he, he started sort of comedic. And and really leaned into it towards the end. Like, Bride of Chucky was a straight-up comedy horror. Like, I don't know how much you remember of Bride of Chucky, but the, half the scenes were, like, comedy scenes. There was a lot, of, a lot of that. And they kept that in this TV show perfectly. There is a lot of comedy. And when I say comedy, I mean, like, morose humor. Like, a gallows humor. Like the type of shit where it's yeah. like really dark, but it's funny still, and well, it's hard to premise, do that. The whole premise of uh, I forget what's her name. What's the actress that plays Bride Chucky? Uh, Jennifer uh, Tilly. Yeah, Tilly. Uh, she uh, in the original Bride Chucky, she like her death to turn into the Bride Chucky was fucking hilarious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Her death in the bathtub, <laughs> getting electrocuted. What was it? She she got electrocuted by. Um, oh, did she do it or doesn't she do it herself in like some ritual or is it by accident or is it both? Like she's being set up for a ritual to be turned into the bride. Yeah, it was some. Yeah, it was something like that. Oh yeah, but they're so there Yeah, it's it's a very it's a comedic take. And they lean into the comedy and they could have gone a different direction. They could have made it like emo drama, like fucking Twilight style, where there's like a bunch of crying teens talking about their problems. But they kind of like what you just said about that party and like some of the shit is just like they sort of leaned in in a lot of ways to the comedy aspect where they could have really gone down a different road and it could have been way worse. And there were kind of signs of that with, like, the main storyline between the main character, who is gay, and his, like, sleuth internet podcast sleuth boyfriend. They kind of, like, I think they were the worst characters of the show. (laughs) They were, for sure. Every character was better than those two. Yeah. And it seemed really shoehorned in, and I'm not... Like, I can't figure it out. I'm not sure if, like, Don Mancini is a gay man and maybe, like, he wanted to, like, make a... Because, you know, the main character is almost always an avatar for the writer. That's just how writing works in general. So it's almost like I wonder if Don Mancini's gay in real life and he was try- he's, like, retelling a story from his youth where he 
like maybe had like some friend that he wanted to get with but didn't like him and it didn't work out or whatever because there's a really weird undercurrent to the story where it's like they kind of change attitudes on each other like a little too flippantly and i get it like okay there's a murdering little redheaded doll running around killing people killed the boyfriend's mom all that i get that that there's some trauma happening and opinions can change but the way that like this kid just flips on the main character is like nah i'm running away i never want to see you again bye even though he didn't really do anything to him it almost felt like a little too specific almost like maybe this is not an original story and it's kind of like he's taking something from his life that he's rejection But they didn't harp on any of that shit at all, which is I'll give respect. Like you can throw shit in there, I don't care for it. I don't. I, it it can be in there. It cannot be in there. Just don't like ruin the show for it. They didn't ruin the show for it, and I'm gonna give Don Mancini a lot of credit for that. Whatever reason they threw in this part of the storyline, it was not too shoehorned into the point where it like ruined things. Dude, Brad Dorf is kind of wait a minute. Brad Dorf is in Deadwood. Oh, he's in a lot of shit. He was in Star Trek Voyager. Man, he was like the psychotic Maquis who like killed people and hit him in fucking crawl spaces in Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> yeah, man. Brad Dorf's a fucking. He's a journeyman, man. He's in a lot. Of oh shit. shit! I I know who Brad Dorf. Oh. oh. <laughs> Dude, this guy has been in a lot of things. Oh, hell yeah. He has. Dude, wasn't he... He was in uh, Dune, wasn't he? Yep. He was the the viceroy to the the invaders. God, God I can't remember. The Harkin? Yeah, he was the viceroy, like the computer guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. Brad Dorf has a fucking pedigree, man. That's it's why this show works so well. Like you could have easily made so many wrong decisions with the show. First off, not get Don Mancini. Just have some other people do it. Second off, not get the original voice actor of Chucky. You could have easily done that. Third, you could have not got Andy. You could have got all these other characters and you could have just done so many things wrong. But they did everything right in that regard and it just creates a special sauce with the show where you're just like, yeah, that was cool. Like, that was a fun show to watch. It's weird calling a horror thing fun, but it was. It's a fun, it's a fun horror romp. <laughs> horror romp? <laughs> I mean, dude, watching Dev- Devon Sawa get electrocuted to death by Chucky, then murdered by his kid. What can be more satisfying than that? Got beat to death by a Chucky doll. That was probably one of my favorite kills. I was like, all right, as someone that grew up with Chucky, that is a cool death. It's like, have we given you a death where the kid beats them down with the Chucky doll? Oh, no, I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> oh, man. What else is Devon Sauer famous for? Uh, well, the things I know, well, he was like on Tiger Beat magazine when I was growing up. So like every girl my that. age when I was like in middle school, elementary school, and even early high school, but mostly middle school and elementary school, every single girl, that was the heartthrob. It was him and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Those were like the two that every single girl on the planet 
was in love with. Who's Jonathan Taylor? Is that the guy from Full House? No, uh, he was in um, da, 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 Home Improvement, man, with uh, Tim Allen. He was one of the kids. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was, yeah, he's like the middle child, I think. Gotcha, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But he, um, the things I know Devon Sauer from, first of all, he was in Little Giants with uh, Dark Helmet, our boy Dark Helmet, and uh, Al Bundy. Going head to head in Little League football. Just... Moranis <laughs> and Devon Sow. Who's Devon Sow is the the star player for Rick Moranis's team that the girl his daughter falls in love with, the tomboy daughter. I don't remember. This you, dude, the scene the the scene he opens in in the sh- in the movie is in the the grocery store and uh, they see each other through the aisle like she moves a can of beans and like Devon Sow's face is on the other side. Oh, yeah. And then, they, remember, they throw they throw the rolls of toilet paper. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, he, and he was You're also... you feel old right now. He, well, no, dude, and that's not... Damn. He was he was Casper, the friendly ghost. Devon Sow is Casper, the friendly ghost, too. So, like, there, he was a lot. He was in a lot of shit back in the day. I didn't watch Casper's a lot of it. Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> yeah, God man. Devon Sow is Casper the Friendly Fucking Ghost. And then he got electrocuted by Chucky. <laughs> Devon Sow is a little cockarocha. He's been everywhere. Hell yeah. So, what was your favorite episode? Absolute favorite. Six, for sure. The intro to the intro to that episode made the whole series for me. I was like, I was kind of like going to sleep. Kind of, I was like, all right. I mean, it's an all right series, but this is clearly Chucky for a, a new generation type of thing. <laughs> and then, uh, then the intro with Andy <laughs> and the stepsister. That was that was too cool. <laughs> They're like, yeah, well. Part of the U.S. Census Bureau. We might if we step in. Actually, we're about to have dinner. Oh, don't worry. It'll be real quick. <laughs> is that it's like regular questions. He's like, any new dolls lately? It's like, uh, why is this like strange accidents, murders, anything? <laughs> so, uh, what kind of questions are these? It's like, she's like, well, we gotta, we have to ask. <laughs> yeah. Cape Queer, that's the name of that episode. <laughs> Favorite that episode's was... Cape Queer broadcast. Yeah. Hey man, that was a good episode. Yeah, well, was, that was a good but episode. honestly, everything past episode six was really good. It was. But I'd say episode six just because it set the pace for what I liked about the series. Yeah, the final three episodes were definitely really good. I will give a special shout out to episode one, though. Because... Yeah. Episode what like the very beginning when the Chucky's being sold the yard sale mm-hmm. and Jesus Jesus it was the retro vintage thing that was my first laugh she's he's like she's like what's the difference and he's like ten bucks and I was like <laughs> I was like yeah that, that's what I'm talking about that's my boy right there <laughs> like, and yeah. then as he's walking away she's like because <laughs> he was placed next to the kitchen knife set the whole time as you, he's walking away with it she's like huh. I wonder where the kitchen knife went. <laughs> yeah. Starts the I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. My favorite episode is episode one. It's called Death by Misadventure. And that is a reference to the Oregon Trail. Totally random. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Totally random reference to Oregon Trail. I love that about it. I also just love the way they set up the sale of the doll. Like what you're just talking about. I loved all that. 
my my favorite part of this episode probably is going to surprise you. It's not the kill of Devon Sawa getting electrocuted by Chucky in the basement, which was my second favorite part of the episode. <laughs> the first favorite part was the dinner between the Devon <laughs> Sawa twins, man. That was fire, dude. That was one of the most awkward, awesome scenes I've seen in forever, dude. <laughs> like when Junior is like, yeah, because he's gay, right? And then, <laughs> then was... drunk Devon Sawa just like, his veins pop out of his neck. <laughs> He looks like he's about to fucking tackle him like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> that was just, like, beautiful, the, man. The camera work on the whiskey glass, too. It was oh, really yeah. villainous. Yeah. It was just, like, like the violin. <laughs> yeah. As was, the whiskey glass fills, it's like, damn. It was very... Like, it was very Kubrick esque, like uh... <laughs> it was because, technically because I didn't know at the time, but now that I know in hindsight, it was Sawa pouring a, a villainous glass of whiskey while Sawa looks at the glass being poured by himself. <laughs> yeah, man, I think Don Mancini might have been a fan of Stanley Kubrick. I, maybe just just saying, based on this episode, there was definitely some influences there. Man, <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Not only once, but twice he dropped the gay bomb. He was just like, "Gay." <laughs> like... <laughs> the smugness of Junior was great too. Like the way that he, I think Junior kind of fell off towards the end. In the beginning, Junior was perfect. Junior was like this fucking perfect douchey smug overconfident overpopular kid that was just like he's like i got you by the balls and i'm gonna take you type of shit like it was it was great him turn him turning uh villainous was kind of unexpected it It was to fit his character too much i was like well i mean i get it whatever the story needs to have but like i was really expecting lexi or jake to fulfill that type of destiny to be honest i didn't really (laughs) see junior going that route because junior was like you know he actually had a good life and his dad didn't really like i mean his dad was kind of mean to him but whatever they tried to insinuate and like show in the show wasn't like the worst a dad could be. He's like, he's like, yeah, dude, I'm sending you to Harvard. Try harder, bitch. It's like, wow, like what a bad dad, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I'm. I want to give a special shout out to uh, Lexi's mom, Mayor Michelle, too, because <laughs> in the in the final three episodes of this show, or maybe four, I don't know exactly when, she is like a standout character. She, yeah. she she is just like there are murders happening everywhere everyone's dying and she's like doing publicity stunts and shit <laughs> like putting her family out as props like that was great like that whole character was awesome to watch in the second half mayor michelle cross <laughs> i actually thought uh jake's boyfriend the um i think was it Devin. <laughs> yeah, Devin. I thought he was actually going to be the one that turned evil. I, I that would have been good. Because that would have been a good plot twist. There were some clues that kind of like, because if you remember his Token bedroom. Token black, token gay, 
token serial killer, the trifecta. (laughs) He was so he was so soft spoken and so feminine, and he had like all these posters in his room of like murder, like like retro movie posters about murder. You remember that? Like, yeah, his hack and slash podcast radio thing was kind of cringy, to be honest. Oh, it was very cringy. But anytime a podcast is referenced in television or movies now is cringy. Like, that's what it is. Like, did you see the what was that? movie? I just saw a new movie recently with Kaiju's uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Kong? Yeah. Remember that? Remember the podcast and that, how cringy it was? Oh, yeah, the conspiracy <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah. It was, like, supposed to be, like, some Alex Jones thing. It was just the cringiest shit you've ever seen. That's just the norm now, I think. Like, any podcast reference is just going to be gross. Yeah, just goes to show you how much corporate uh, interests are just out of touch. Like, they yeah. have no idea what's cool. <laughs> yeah, but... I think I think the 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 message here and like the lesson here is get the original creator of something if you want to reboot it and let them do everything because then it works out. Don Mancini wrote this entire season one. Like I'm sure that in the official credits there are other people credited in the written by or whatever. This was written by Don Mancini. It had a very specific arc that was specifically written through all the way, you can tell that how coherent it was. There was not like, oh, I'm going to take a different take on this episode. Like, there was none of that. Like, when you really look at it in retrospect, this was a long-ass movie written by one person, and it was Don Mancini. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that's what all great series nowadays do. Mm -hmm. Like, it's one giant, long script that then they cut up into episodes. Yeah, like it's a super movie cut up into episodes. And uh, dude, honestly, I went into Chucky, kind of thinking, you know, ah, you know, do we knew? I don't really want to watch this. How is could you not? Like, is this a review? Like, really worth? Like, am I gonna have any energy to even want to talk about this? Like, <laughs> I had, I actually had really low expectations for this, but now after I watched it, I was like, I'm kind of psyched for the second season. Like when I saw, uh, uh. Jennifer is it Jennifer Tilly? Yep. Tilly come back and reprise her role and then at the very end the the uh, the uh, the cameo of the actual Jennifer Tilly Brian Chucky doll coming in doesn't make sense to me from a logistical standpoint. I'm like, all right, this show's kind of going all over the place now, but it kind of psyched me up. I was like, all right, the show kind of doesn't take itself seriously and it's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the, they do not forsake the comedy and they embrace it to a point where it makes up for the small missteps they make along the way. It's perfect. Yeah. Like the way they, they make, did it is perfect. Yeah. Like while you're thinking like, what the hell's going on? This doesn't make sense. They're like making fun of that notion itself. Like exactly. she appears in the back window. She's just like, she's like, well, it's kind of weird. And there's complications, <laughs> but don't fucking worry about it. I'm here now, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, broadcaster Nichols, as you know, here in the Crack Cellar podcast, we have a very serious, very stringent, scientifically measured rating system known as the Nick Cage rating system that <laughs> you yourself birthed through your birthing canal of mind magic. Uh, on that, at a Starbucks. <laughs> on that scale, broadcaster Nichols, what do you rate season one of Don Mancini's Chucky? 
you know, salute to the Don. That's all I'll say right now. Um, next, I'm going to give it a Con Air. Mm. It, was, uh, it was good. It was a solid piece of television. Uh, I would say that episodes one through five were... Two through five. Two through five, yeah. Two episode five one was fucking awesome. Let's, it was, let's it get was this straight. Yeah, <laughs> episode one kicked good. ass. <laughs> I don't know why I'm loving it with two through five. But, but two through five kind of like it slewed down a little bit. I get what they were trying to do, you know. Yeah. It was like the kids part of the show. They're trying to establish character depth. I get all that. Yeah. It wasn't terrible television by yeah. any means, especially for USA. If and for I was 2021 younger, too. Like... For sure. Like if I was a young kid watching cable television, and I don't even think young kids do that right now, Hell no. but I'm just saying like for some reason I was sitting in front of the TV and I was like fucking USA and I started watching. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too unimpressed, you know? And then episode one in the last three episodes really solidify the potential of the uh, of chucky as a, a medium coming back you know like an ip coming back so i think i think it deserves con air because it really mm. like i want to give it a rock where it was just like you know in my head would be like it had some serious faults you know i think chucky as a whole was pretty tv series 2021 was rock solid it was a rock solid series. Yeah. Which I did not expect at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went in with really, really low expectations. And I was really happy about the first episode. And I was like, thank God. Thank God this is good. This isn't going to be some garbage. And then as the two, three, four, five went on, I was starting to get that like, oh, fuck. Was I, did I misjudge this based on just one really good first episode? But then it bounces back so hard. And then with those episodes that were slow, I feel like the backstory with uh, Charles Lee Ray with the flashbacks showing that whole thing, that kind of kept it afloat for me. Like those were my favorite parts of those slow episodes. Like what we already oh. talked about, like seeing him help the robber kill his mom. Like, th- like shit. I call like that, that. Uh, the room flashbacks. Yeah, with Tommy LaSalle. <laughs> <laughs> sort of had a Silent Hill vibe to it a little bit. It was uh, it was good. Like, and knowing that his daughter, Chucky's daughter played him as the 80s coke addict murderer version there's there's just something special about it it had a special sauce to it i loved i loved all that that whole thing was great to me my my least favorite parts of this were the high school drama and the yeah just all that's it the high school drama if you erase that from it it's a perfect show for me so well i i will say one part of the high school drama was Lexi making fun of Devon Sauer getting oh, at the party. I, dude, <laughs> that, that was, was... That, when I saw that, I was like, <laughs> these kids are evil. <laughs> like, Chucky needs to murder all these fucking yeah. kids. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was fucking epic as fuck. You're right. That was great. <laughs> Dude, that was so brutal. <laughs> it was like it, the the acting was a little too good. You know what I mean with Lexi? Yeah, like she, it's almost like she was like she was a little too, she was a little too into it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm gonna give this a con air too. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's kind of a weaker con air, but it's 
it's a it's an A minus for sure. Yeah, it's it's good. It has some flaws, but it's just like you just think of how bad it could have been, and you're just like, fuck, we dodged a bullet there. Chucky dodged a bullet. We have a good decent bad in so many different ways too. It could That's exactly crazy. when you really think about, it, you're like, wow, this dodged a lot of bullets. <laughs> a lot, yeah. It's like Neo in the Matrix dodging bullets, and let's hope Neo in the Matrix can dodge those same bullets in a few weeks. When we watch <laughs> The Matrix 4. Is that coming out that soon? Dude, I think it comes out in like a week, man. I think it's like a week from now. It's. Are we going to go to the theater and watch that? Just drunk? It is a. It is upon us, broadcaster Nichols. We should just get shitty and go watch that. Drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and with that, we will close out. Did you see the Matrix Awakens video game? No. Dude, it's... <laughs> oh, no. It, it actually, it's kind of funny. Oh, no. Like, it makes fun of itself, but there's one aspect where you're just going to laugh, like, how cringy it is. This is, like, this black girl who, like, just shoehorns her way into, like, <laughs> this storyline with Neo and Trinity. And she's just, like, she has this line where she's, like... I'm told this is my turn to fight the system. Uh, <laughs> it's, <so fucking> bad. <laughs> it's so bad, dude. But some of the parts of the trailer are actually pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. Like, they make fun of themselves in a way that's actually kind of relatable. Interesting. So that's kind of in line with the uh, Chucky. Yeah, here. kind of. But we, I, the gameplay looked like dog shit. So yeah. it's like, I'm not looking at too forward to it. Mm. But the trailer or the whatever it was some in-game rendered trailer theme bob or maybe it's the intro to a segment of the game i'm not sure but i will have to check that out i got some cranberry cider right now (laughs) hard cider it is bomb as fuck it's almost seven percent alcohol too really yeah, he'll fuck you up. <laughs> and it just tastes like cranberry juice too when you drink it. Like you just crush these and you oh, get fucked up. Man, seven <laughs> percent and it just tastes like cran- I would. That'd be dangerous with me because I yeah. love cranberry juice. It's like my favorite juice. Yeah, are you crushing Wait, me? What's it called? Danger zone. What's this, what's this called? Uh, Incline Cider Company Cranberry. Mm. This is the flavor. I think I might try those. They're is made it- in Auburn too. Really. Yeah, it's a company in Auburn. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Very, very interesting. Should get the Green River Killer to be their (laughs) (laughs) brood in Auburn, where the water is pristine with the blood of non. I don't think the rich way is with us. (laughs) (laughs) They took him out, dude. Wouldn't it be maybe that's what we should do for season three of the crack seller? Maybe we should Gary get no, no, let's get let's get Gary Ridgeway to be the third seat and like call him in to the call from jail. <laughs> yeah, that's possible, right? You could do that. Alive? Oh, fuck yeah, he's in prison right now, man. He's alive. Him. Hell no, he's alive in prison as we speak right now in Washington that's state. Hey, dude, yeah, man, we should get that fucker as a special guest host. I would- <laughs> I think we just figured it out. We need to like we need to do it with like a really specific episode though. <laughs> Listen, man. <laughs> All right. This is your, 
how many things I turned down, the strong turn down. All right. All right. This is, we need to All right. this right here. So right. This, ain't happening. this is what you need to do. We need to buy you a wig <laughs> and uh, we need to get you a GoPro camera. And you're going to call Carrie Ridgeway. And you're going to act like one of those Manson groupies. You know, like all those hot chicks that like want to marry Charles Manson. Dude, I'm not going to lie. Young fucking Gary Ridgeway kind of looks like Adam Driver. Bro, he totally does. Bruh. He's super straight, though. So, like, we need you to get in drag. (laughs) 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 Be like, listen... I will give you my V-card, but you have to guest on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs>